0: Hello and welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Kraus, licensed professional counselor. I believe you are just going to love today's interview. I'm interviewing Tom Beekbane. He is the author of a recent book that was published called, How to Understand Everything, Consilience, A New Way to See the World. I know that sounds like a lot, but once you hear from Tom Beekbane and see why he wrote the book and how he wrote the book, I think you will be very intrigued whether you were into psychology and philosophy or whether you were just interested in the world and human nature. A little bit about Tom. Tom Beekbane is the president of Beekbane Brand Strategies and Communications, a company he launched in 1986 to capitalize on digital technologies. Tom and his team have delivered over 20,000 projects to Fortune 500 customers in a wide variety of industries, including pharmaceuticals, sexual health, nutrition, education, grocery, industrial, and high-tech products. His journey to resurrect the concept of consilience began when he tried to understand why textbook explanations of human behavior did not account for the techniques routinely utilized by marketing, communications, and political operatives. Also, he observed that psychology textbooks did not fully explain the interpersonal dynamics he had observed while providing services to his company's clients. He realized that by weaving together developments on the frontiers of biology, physics, and computing, and reconceptualizing human behavior as an emergent system, it was possible to explain the nature of understanding in ways that are all embracing. He has an honors degree in biochemistry and neurophysiology from Durham University in England. He lives near Toronto, Canada with his wife, and they have two daughters. So stay tuned for the interview. I think you are going to love it. As you may have heard, I've released my first online course for the parents of young adults, What Should We Do Now?, and it's a course that goes over parenting young adults and all of the difficulties right now with the world we find ourselves in. And how do you navigate the mental health system? And what do you do if they have an addiction? And what about boundaries and communication and all the difficulties you might run into? What about money? The course covers it all. It's almost three hours of video and has some worksheets along with it. You can find it on sale right now at udemy.com. And I will have the link in the show notes. If you are a therapist who is trying to bring their practice to the next level, then I would suggest getting trained in EMDR therapy. This is a trauma-informed therapy that does amazing things. There are hundreds of studies on it. You can read all about it. And the people that I trust to train you are all veteran trainers that have been training people for years and years and now have started their own operation, EMDR Training Solutions. That's right, I have an affiliation with them, and they have helped me out a great deal. If you use the code INTENTIONAL, you can get $100 off your EMDR training. I will have the link in the show notes. All right, now let's get to the interview. Welcome, Tom Beakbane, to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. Great to be here, Paul. Excellent. So, I'm excited to tell everyone about your book, which had an interesting title, and I've been enjoying it. And I'm uh, excited to have you introduce us to some of the concepts How to Understand Everything Consilience, a New Way to See the World. And I have to confess, before reading uh, parts of your book, I had never actually heard of the word consilience. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think probably we we might have to define it slightly at the beginning here just so people uh know what we're kind of referring to you actually have a whole youtube video um that explains it in about 3 or 4 minutes but what would you kind of sum it up as
1: yeah well the word was coined by a fellow called william Hewell in 1840 in, in the uk and he was a, a a cleric and a polymath and he he used it to mean the jumping together of of different ideas so uh, cillians in Latin means jump, and com means together, so consilience is the jumping together of two areas of knowledge that would otherwise be disconnected, and I use it in the sense that I believe that now the sciences have become so interwoven that we can now uh, reasonably claim to understand how the brain works. Uh, even though that's not a mainstream view in, in uh, neurophysiology, I just say, well, just you know, get rid of all your preconceived ideas about how you think the brain works and just look at how neurons work, how the eyes work, how the ears work, how muscles work. And, and you've got to jettison many of the, um, the the ideas we have about, for instance, the word brain and, and how it's a, an organ set apart in the human body. So for me, consilience is it, it's a, it's a new way to understand understanding and in the process, it, it's a way of uh, completely reframing how we understand the world, because the human brain does some remarkable things that we don't f- fully realize. Um, but the, the way the world works uh, it isn't like we think it works. And so it's, it's a huge idea. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to getting into some of the nitty gritty with you.
0: It is quite a large idea because um, I know we talk a lot, you talk about paradigm shift in the book, but it really is a paradigm shift. And it reminds me, I'll just kind of for the listeners from the psychology world, it reminds me of uh, how I first became educated in trauma-informed therapy, which I've actually started thinking should be called nervous system-informed therapy because not everyone identifies with having a trauma but the way that an event can have an effect on your nervous system and be stored somewhere in the body that you're unconscious of and then all of a sudden in your behavior against maybe what you would call your willpower or your your um decision making something happens and you, and then eventually you learn oh that's why i'm doing that behavior it's because this happened to me but wh- i didn't predetermine that i should do that so the tr- the idea of trauma informed therapy was a pa- is still a paradigm shift in the counseling mm-hmm. world um there's the counselors that aren't trauma informed and are frustrated by clients who have certain behaviors or certain Uh, intrusive thoughts or obsessions, and they don't know how to help them, right? And they get very upset because they keep coming back and keep coming back and they they may not, the coping skills only work short-term. So we've learned that right now, that's upended my entire field. And what I'm hearing Mm -hmm. from you is you're actually taking from that same scientific pot, so to speak, of this new neurobiology that's been coming out in the last 20, 30 years right now, maybe even before then, um, about Mm -hmm. how the nervous system actually works. What is the brain? um, And then consilience is bridging, how do we understand this information? Kind of, this is how I see it. How do we understand this information about the brain and the nervous system and how we actually think and how we go about in the world? And how does that then have an effect on all of these different areas in culture, uh, business, marketing, psychology, teaching, education, politics. How does that, how does that then coalesce? Because in those disciplines, we still have a lot of archaic thoughts and archaic uh, traditions, almost mythical folklore. If you actually look at the science, uh, in, in all of those, including psychotherapy. Um, so I was, I was Astounded, kind of uh, how I you took what you know, let's say for our listeners, Dr. Dan Siegel is talking about and translated it into the business world and into marketing and into all these other interactions, which is why I love this book um, so far. I love it a lot. Um, And it's can can I just interrupt and say, mm -hmm, yeah,
1: you've summarized it uh, very well. I actually go uh, way beyond what you're talking about because. i i get into what words are in our brain and how we form words and how we understand uh, everything around us and how we build up this sense of reality and so uh f- f- for me it, it it really goes beyond anything that you've met in psychology or in in science and and it actually i in some really fundamental ways i'm 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 pointing out the the shortcomings of uh thinking about things as 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 aspects of knowledge and and um when it comes to the human body brain neuronal systems i i i i think historically scientists have been thinking about those things mechanistically as as though there was someone who uh, had a, a drawing board and, and designed them much like a mechanical or electrical system, with the brain there sort of di- directing what's happening in the body, and and the muscles acting like uh, uh, like pneumatic devices, and and the the eyes operating like video cameras, and and my whole point is that's not how the body actually comes to be uh, it comes to be from this from the cells up it you, you 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 get a sperm and an egg and a zygote and then it splits and splits and splits again uh, around 40 times until you get the uh, th- 20 or 30 trillion cells that make up our body but those cells organize themselves and so when you're talking about something like trauma and, fr- and honestly i know very little about trauma um but but it's, it's far more instructive to think about it from a cellular level because our, our bodies um, don't operate like they were described in the textbooks 30, 50, 100 years ago with this sort of conscious being so per- presiding over everything and then uh, a little be- beneath the surface as a subconscious that is somehow repressed or down there. It, it's just... those historical ways of of understanding what's happening in our bodies isn't actually how it works and 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 so i go way way beyond what you what you what you refer to
0: yes uh you do absolutely um i think there was a little intersection in our my field with with what you're talking about but yes it it actually makes you completely reconsider what's happening in your own body and i mean and you went through you know how cells form and then and then we move before we think i really love that chapter because um that's something that is from the psychology we're learning now which is that the nervous system and the body and and everything going on the body reacts before you're able to make a story about it, before you're able to make logical sense of it, before you even know that you're having an emotional response, your body has already reacted. Um, and then because of maybe these old viewpoints of the, what we call the top-down viewpoint, where the brain's all in control, well, the brain's actually all throughout your body. And mm-hmm. there's, ner- there's more nerve endings in the gut, I believe, than almost any other place. Is that correct?
1: Uh, i'm not sure about nerve endings um but, uh, but but there are innumerable numbers of nerves in in the gut and throughout the body and and they don't uh, always go to the the brain uh that sometimes they stretch just a cell or two away um it 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 it, it, it it's a, a massively complex um and, and and far uh less neat design than the new encounter in anatomical textbooks.
0: Yes, and so with that in mind, it it did take a, a little bit of you know reading to even connect that to from what I was taught um, in the some of the new stuff that's coming in the psychology. That this is just way more complex than we could have ever imagined, and we're still yeah. figuring out. And there's so much we don't know, but if we know that you know it it's coming from this bottom-up self-organizing system. Approach, and that's kind of how our body and nervous system work. How can we? What are just out of out of curiosity? What are some ways that you see that changing how certain viewpoints or systems work um, in our world right now?
1: I I, th- I see consilience as hopefully the start of a completely new way of conceptualizing human behavior. Uh, and interpersonal relationships, and uh, education and politics. I, I, I believe uh, consilience has massive ramifications. I, I want to just um, make the point, if I could, that uh, I don't regard consilience as, uh, and, and what I write about as, as if you like, Tom Beatbane's crazy ideas. Uh, what What I do, because I've always been just Deeply fascinated by science, and and in my business, which is marketing, I've I've worked with many many different companies. Uh, some of them pharmaceutical, some of them educational, some of them uh, uh, packaged goods. I, I mean, hundreds of companies. Um, so I've um, I've I've learned a lot through that whole process. And what my book does really just describes what frontline scientists. Have been discovering, and I just try to do it in in the clearest, most accessible way that I can. Uh, and in the process, it just becomes very apparent that my uh, scientists have been discovering it completely upends our, our mythologies that we tell ourselves about uh, how special human beings are and how our behavior is is a result of of conscious, rational deliberation, and uh, that, honestly, that education somehow uh, fundamentally changes us because uh, our brains are powered by knowledge. Those are mythologies. And and when you look at what scientists are actually discovering, um, and I've played no part in that at all, uh, you you just have to completely reconceptualize everything. So it's not Tom Beatbane's crazy ideas. It's just he, he, take a look take a look at what's happening, and 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 that's why I believe that this movement uh, that I term consilience is is unstoppable, uh, because at some point uh, people are going to realize that the ways we think we think aren't the way we actually think and behave.
0: I like that, and I think that is is getting at some of this, which is ever-evolving, because you started studying this a long time ago. What I mean by this is scientific papers about behavior, the brain, um, evolutionary biology, neurobiology, mm-hmm. neurology, and you had a hunger for this, because yeah. things just weren't making sense to you. And so, yes, that is a good point. About the book, what you said, it one of the things I really admired was the ability to translate what you're reading in these scientific texts to a way that was understandable, um, with examples and and in a in a way that your average reader could pick it up. I believe um, to a point. So mm-hmm. that being said, let's just jump into a little bit about your background. Um, sure. Uh, just about how you got. Excited about this knowledge, this hunger for knowledge, and and how that <laughs> must have been interesting while you're you're in you know university or right after in your first career in business, and everyone's talking one way, and you're reading scientific papers that are showing something differently about about human behavior. So, could you tell us a little bit about
1: that? Sure. Well, well, I I, I guess the whole thing started just because I've always been deeply fascinated by science and the natural world, and uh, I, I spent some time as, as a youngster growing up in, in Africa. I love being outdoors and in nature. Um, and then, and then I, I studied neurophysiology and biochemistry at university. But I, I went into business just because uh, that's what my family's done for the last 500 years, 400 years. I've always not not only my scientific interests with what I observe in the, in the business world that I've done through my life, you know, sporting things, is skiing and canoeing, and and, and um, uh, you know, raising a family, and uh, uh, you know, you know, you know, I've been extremely fortunate, but but I've always found that these different areas are somewhat disconnected. So uh, playing tennis is is disconnected from what is happening uh, in a business meeting, and that's disconnected from what neurophysiologists have have been. Um, discovering. and so uh, it was about 22 23 years ago that i wanted to write a a a, a short handbook for the staff in my agency uh, particularly uh, incoming uh, uh students um to help them uh figure out what was quality when when they're formulating marketing communications and uh Uh, And I was wanting to use some of the techniques that were being used in manufacturing industry. You might have heard some of these terms, Kaizen and Six Sigma and so on. Uh, And and they all depend on knowing what quality is. Uh, And I realized that the accounts in marketing textbooks uh, were completely divorced from the skills that my staff needed in order to all of the things that we needed to do as an agency and and back then i had a staff of 40 or 50 people uh we we were uh, quite quite successful because we were one of the first digital type agencies um anywhere in the world um and so that's when i i i became deeply perplexed and frustrated with um all of the, the the discontinuities in my life like why why were all of these different realms um, c- completely divorced one from another? And so that, that's when I spent th- three years in science laboratories uh, 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 trying to find myself, like trying to trying to uh, do some self therapy, I guess you could call it. Um, and um, and and eventually, uh, I, I wrote this book. But the earlier version of the book, which was like twenty years ago, and and it was a horrible book because it just uh, uh, t- took took aim at all of the current psychological theories, behaviorism, uh, sort of like top-down ways of looking at the world, and and it was completely unreadable. So I I compl- I, I forgot about the book doing. Uh, all of the things that I love to do. and it And it was only at the beginning of the lockdown that um i I realized that the um the accounts that one was reading in in the press about politics, you know trump and whomever else and and uh, vaccines and uh, the, the the different ways of understanding what was going on were were just really short of the mark. and so, um once again, as a form of therapy, um, I started writing how to understand everything uh, in order to uh, e- explain to my audience that there are, are deeper ways of understanding this sometimes crazy situation that we uh, are observing uh, in, around the world. Because That's a long way of answering a very quick question.
0: Well it's actually uh, co- I believe context is very important and so I think that uh, you know understanding you know you're getting your ideas from the science and you're and then the casillians is trying to bring it in so that it, that understanding sinks in and helps us with with what's going on and how to figure out our lives but also how to figure out what's going on in in multiple multiple ways so i I think it's a very useful book and i think it, it's good that you're getting the message out there because can I,
1: yeah can i can i just interrupt uh, again and 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 just um um m- m- make make a point because i'm not sure where you're going to go so we might we might lose this opportunity if you don't sure. mind so um wh- one of wh- one of i'm i'm sure your experiences with life is that uh like when you're uh, encountering people uh, earlier at, at your motel uh or at university or uh you, you know church uh or or you're at some scientific conference uh you know th- those different realms spirituality and 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 science and therapy and psychology and and uh raising children and 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 doing all of the things you do they they they, they don't seem to have a lot of uh many things in common uh, you know science is completely different from religion and we put those two things in in different boxes uh pfizer uh, the pharmaceutical company is completely different from uh, uh lint Lind- chocolate uh, uh L- linton Sprungly, for instance they're com- they're completely different uh organizations well the way i i look at it is all of these organizations uh have very very similar dynamics the the dynamics that you encounter uh in a in a science department are not a whole lot different from the sci- from the the, the the dynamics that you encounter uh in church groups or uh in uh, in, in any business and and I, and I go even further than that and, and say well actually the the, the 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 dynamics that um we we, we see exhibited from minute to minute really aren't that different one from another. And, and then I go beyond that and, and say, well, when, when you actually look inside our head and at, at a neuron, uh, that neuron, to the, the historic scientific way of thinking about it, uh, is firing all the time for everything. Uh, it, it, now it changes its tune, and I use the the, the metaphor of a, a neuronal orchestra. But but the stuff that's happening in our our brain is handling all of those different domains in, in very well in, in an identical manner. And so, uh, what, once you understand the um, the, the, the the facts about, about our neuronal systems, all of the, all of the 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 divisions between republican and democrat and science and, and and religion and um and children and adults they they all uh almost disappear i i think you could say does does that make any sense paul
0: yes it does um i'm getting you know having been in a lot of realms i'm a person who's had 18 different jobs and traveled around the world and all around the US, I have noticed similarities in terms of the dynamics, what you're talking about. In fact, um, not that this is related exactly to what you're talking about, but just from from my standpoint, Mm -hmm. we would joke about um, how in a a therapy office or in a medical office or in any office, especially uh, an office maybe where people aren't doing a lot of introspection, it all of a sudden, the staff acts as if they're in a family system, back almost as if they're in their own family system and all having these sort of reactions. And uh, I have friends that are scientists who tell me about the grant writing process and people, you know, trying to get their article published, maybe not because it's the best science, but because they really want their name out there. And these sort of things that that occur that are just very human in nature um, are are across. And of course, we get all sorts of, you know, heard all sorts of report. We could go on and on about hearing different reports about churches and and how yeah. things operate there. So, in a way, you know, just anecdotally from the surface level, from from me observing and i i'm a person who was lucky enough never i I know this sounds terrible because some people would say i would like stability but i've never been i've been to i I changed school seven times as a child you know i moved to different places so i am used to to going oh okay well this is very similar here it's just a different cultural layer right so that's just a personal observation um so that being said, I, yeah, I, I can I see that's what so, you're talking about. That's but, right,
1: right on on yeah. money. Mm-hmm.
0: So, and, but then you're saying that even knowing what you do about science uh, and how things self-organize and how things, you know, go dynamically... Um, from the, when I mean science, I'm sorry, the research articles you're reading, because we have to define science. So you've talked about that in your book as well. Can't just say science, right? Good point. Um, the science, the, the articles you're reading about neurobiology, uh, uh, the, how the brain works, the neurons and all of that, it, you're, it's, it's hard to explain until you've sort of seen it. But I do think your book does a good job of illustrating, um, that a lot of things people are doing are on automatic. And they, we, we don't often realize that. And I'm not sure if that's exactly what you're trying to say, but that's what I was kind of interpreting.
1: Yeah. Well, that's one aspect. I I mean, there's so many different ways and there's so many sort of cross connections between your past, my past, what I'm reading in scientific journals, how to express those things, the words we use, um, the, 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 the the different tribes that are involved in all of these different things. Um, one, one of the, one of the stunning well, there are a couple of really surprising uh discoveries, if you like uh in 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 neurophysiology and and cellular biology and i mean where, where it gets interesting is where all of these things start to overlap um but but a, a couple of the, the 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 points that I explain in my book is that we we te- we tend to imagine that the brain is some sort of a, a computational device. And so our, our, uh, our behavior is the result of computation, so is the result of thinking. Um, what, what we now know, I would say, is that the brain is operating from moment to moment. Um, it it's, it's not like our brain is the result of thinking. Our, our brain is operating always on the knife edge of criticality. Um, so I was just driving along the road I guess last night I was driving to play tennis, and I was feeling pretty relaxed. I was actually listening to your podcast, and, um, and and I went round a corner, and for just a fraction of a second, out of the corner of my eye, I I I saw a car coming at me, and I I completely f- freaked, uh, and and it happened in probably less than a third of a second. And then I, I looked again and there was absolutely nothing there. I'm not sure what had caught my eye. But the, But what, what I'm trying to say is at every second, our whole uh, neuronal system is on the knife edge of criticality. So if something happens that's surprising or threatening system works, and, and indeed, when let's say you and I are interacting right now, we are sensitive from from second to second, what each other is doing and saying, and so I can see, you know, because I can see you on Zoom, I can see you're looking pretty chill. You, um, if we were sitting in the same room, I wouldn't feel threatened by you, um, but but uh, that could change in a second, and 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 that's that's a realization about how the brain works that that you don't read too much about uh and uh and 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 that whole idea that our our um our, our conscious brain isn't actually controlling our behavior our conscious brain is very is extraordinarily sensitive to social cues uh and 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 if, and if someone uh is is insulting or uh leaves us out of something or threatens us uh you know, that 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 can tip our whole neuronal system into um into panic mode. But but that that's your area of expertise, not not mine. And and I'm sure <clears throat> we'll get into this whole thing of tribes because um it, it it relates to this as well.
0: Yes, but uh before we get into tribes, Tom, I, I really was thinking about the intersection of what I've been studying for years, which is trauma on the on the nervous system in the body and how that affects the mind and moods and can lead to mood disorders and, and things like that and post-traumatic stress disorder. So mm-hmm. when you were talking about having a nice drive to tennis and then all of a sudden you thought you saw a car, you did see a car. And at that moment on the cutting edge of, I guess, consciousness or whatever you wanna call that exactly, um, you you, your whole nervous your whole body affect mind change so Mm -hmm. can you describe for a second how did your body feel when you all of a sudden thought there might be a car coming at you
1: well i've I've read all about the startle response so i I can sort of rationalize it but um you, you 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 know my eyes widen uh i i sort of brace for impact i uh have a sharp intake of breath and all of those things are happening way, way, way uh, quicker than um, than my sort of conscious brain can think, because my you know thinking is so slow. It takes like half a second or so. So um, it, it 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 happened extraordinarily quickly, um, and 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 and, a, and you sort of feel your heart uh, speed up. But but at the same time, you know, within half a second of that. I I looked and I realized there wasn't an issue. So then I sort of just go go on on my sweet and merry way. Yes,
0: and so how everything can change in a second. And a lot of what we've learned about trauma and how that can be the roots of a lot of long-term mental illnesses is that in a second, somebody's entire perception of their safety, the way the world works, uh, if it's fair, unfair, just, unjust, all these sort of black and white concepts, or, um, their self-value can change in a moment, not only from something happening to you, but the perception that something happened to you mm-hmm. or the or the way you perceive the thing that did happen to you. Mm-hmm. And so that's why our field is actually right now in a giant debate about what post-traumatic stress disorder is and and how you have to get qualified for it and how actually things that would, you know, many people on the outside would judge as possibly... Well, that's just something that happens to you. Somebody's somebody else that actually happens to them. The same thing happens to them, and for them, it all of a sudden sets off a series of possibly fight, flight, freeze, fawn, collapse responses that are instantaneous. And then the person's mind, which we happens later, or their I guess their the narrative part of whatever whatever we do with our stories, it makes up a story. Uh, to go with this situation. And oftentimes, the way that story is encoded in our memory banks, maybe somewhere on the hippocampus, um, then that affects how that person lives, how they believe the world works, how they believe their self value is. Do they believe they have safety? And all of these things not only have an effect on how they go about and behave, but it also has an effect on their body, the way that maybe they have tension. Can they sleep? Uh, well, they have trouble sleeping, do they eat a lot, do they not eat a lot, which then translates to what we would call possible mental illnesses or being on the spectrum of low depression to severe depression or low Mm -hmm. anxiety to high anxiety. And so we're seeing how Events such as the one you encountered, of course, you were fine, and you all of a sudden your your mind may have made up the story that, oh, I, I guess I just saw something. It wasn't that big of a deal. And now I'm gonna start calming down. I'm gonna the startle response is gonna start to go away, and I'm back into um, the normal state you might have been in at that time, or homeostasis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um with that, um what we've been learning about, in therapy and this comes from dr peter levine's work uh waking the tiger was he was observing animals and so after like let's say a gazelle was being chased by a a tiger or, or a leopard in africa yeah. and it didn't get caught but it almost got caught yeah. and what did this gazelle do i mean instantly i'm sure the gazelle wasn't thinking oh what a nice bit of grass over there it was you know oh my i'm about to be eaten so it'd run away and it, it would lose the tiger and then it would shake it, it energetically shake, right? And if, if you've ever had a dog, you can see that if a dog gets frightened, most do- not all dogs, but a lot of dog breeds will then shake. If some, you know, they'll shake their body. And yeah. what they're what they're doing, and, and this is the theory. This is a very dumbed down summary of the theory is that the animal is shaking off that nervous energy that came from the stutter response and the fight flight freeze kind of automatic nervous system response so that they can go back to homeostasis but humans often when something happens to us uh, because of various cultural social reasons for who knows why and people's personalities some people quote unquote shake it off right or they're able to kind of Tell themselves a story and say, "Okay, I'm okay now," or whatever. Reorient, homeostasis starts. But others, they they care that nervous system. Whatever happened to them, sort of stays. Uh, kind of in they believe, kind of the autonomic nervous system, and not the stays, but the, the signal of it stays, and we call that. And the theory is we we want to tap into the uh, adaptive information processing network because your your brain is saying don't die. You know we have the negative bias. We remember negative things much more clearly than we were, yeah. It's a you know, sensible positive. approach, <laughs> right? So we don't want to die, and so that you know if this car was about to hit me, and I and it and it let's say I I was almost in an accident in Arizona years ago at this one intersection, and I still remember it plain as day. This person ran a red light, and I screeched to a halt. And every time I went past that intersection again, I would always look and become more alert, and I become more hypervigilant. And why would I do that? My mind is remembering that signal. And so when somebody has a trauma or, let's just say, a bad experience, sometimes they because they don't know what that was— And it was such a strong experience, and they haven't learned about some of the things you even talk about in your book about how the nervous system works and how these things store. Their story builds and builds and builds and builds in a negative way that is usually either self-destructive or uh, non-adaptive to the world around them, or, or they have a behavior that sort of tries to overcompensate for the fear or... Um, or whatever happened to them. So that's a big intersection in the world, and that is upending the way that people see psychology, because... Even in right now in my field, there's some people that still believe what happened in the 1950s and even the 1920s about how your mind rules everything coming from the top down. And if you just had more logic, you wouldn't be so depressed. Yeah, well, that's all rubbish. It. it is. It's complete <laughs> bullshit, but it's still being done. And it's unfortunate. Some graduate schools are still even teaching this stuff as, as if the frontal lobe is always online and the neocortex is always online. It's not always online. It goes offline immediately. If there's a threat perceived or actual so i love that your book is bringing this in a paradigm that's even outside of psychology for people that are interested in this in what the science is actually saying because it actually changes the way you think about yourself as a human and it's changed the way i have yeah. thought about myself and in fact i actually think it's you it's less judgmental because you can you can say oh well, that's why I reacted that way in that yeah. moment of panic, or that moment of anger, or that moment of whatever. And you can kind of forgive yourself because you technically may not have actually had the choice you thought you had. Your body's trying to stay alive; it's reacting to a threat. It's gonna, it's gonna, um, it's gonna jump to that. So, yeah,
1: I'll, I'll give you a little yeah. example uh, of, of um, something I encountered at university, which is a long time ago now. Uh, but the, the head of the zoology department. The neurophysiology was uh, a fellow called Professor Barker. And his uh, pet pet enthusiasm were things called muscle spindles. And so I spend a lot of time looking down microscopes uh, at uh, samples of cat muscle, counting spindles and, and classifying them. Now, not that many people know what a muscle spindle is. In essence, what they're doing is they're telling the brain what the body wants to do next. So this this whole idea that the the brain is sort of like lording it over the muscles is uh, really only a tenth of the story, because the, um, the and and this a lot of this happens in the cerebellum. Uh, a, a, a lot of what happens is uh, like repeated tiny little actions. Uh, you, you know the way you move uh, uh your foot or your muscles uh, in in a part of your body but 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 those movements are coming partly as a result of the muscle telling the brain what it what's going to be the least stressful thing to do next so which is uh you know it's, it's an interesting way of looking at it and it's it's completely scientific but it's it's not part of the mythology of um of academia and and here I'm going to betray my biases and, and, uh, um, my pettiness. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably have very different perspectives than many of the people that write books about psychology, uh, and neurophysiology and, and animal behavior, because they're, they're operating in a, in an academic environment with, with all of the intent, the attendant pressures, and and perspectives that that they're submerged in, whereas I'm uh, a a business person, so I'm not trying to keep any academic colleagues um, happy. Uh, And and so consequently, I've I've come to view the, the, the the human brain and the human body and our neuronal systems in a completely different manner um, and now i would claim that the way i'm looking at it is actually far more scientific than the, than the academic perspectives but it but once you uh sort of learn about skinner and behaviorism and, and and some of the traditional ways of thinking about the brain or even jung uh it's it's very hard to shake those things and 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 uh just understand what's happening uh at a at a very basic level so that's um that's 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 me uh just just uh completely agreeing with what you're saying and 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 you're coming at it because of your experiences with trauma which i know very little about but we we end up at the same place
0: yes um well i i don't think you'd have any trouble learning about uh trauma-informed therapies and anything about it because everything you're talking about in here the 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 reason trauma-informed therapy became what it is is from uh People usually a lot of them were at UCLA and other places that are publishing these papers. They took the information They translated what's actually going on in the nervous system and the brain to the point that we need to know, meaning the psychology people. not <laughs> you went further, way beyond that. And then how does that actually affect behavior that mm-hmm. the way we see it? And that's, and so instead of, I guess the difference is this, I believe, and I know this to be a fact. um psychology was just made up. We just made it up. I mean, Freud made it up. Jung made it up. It was all theories. It has nothing, it, it, but they mm-hmm. were doctors. They were real doctors, but they were doctors in the late 1800s. They were Victorian area doctors. Yeah. And then we've taken it from there. In the 50s and 60s, those were still theories, but they they were based on practice, like, okay, we see this working, do more of that. We see more, do this, do more of this. And then the 70s and 80s to now the point where most therapists are eclectic because we see, okay, this works, this works, works, this works. We're not exactly sure why yet. We're still yeah. doing studies. We know yeah. this works in the in the room. And so then what, what trauma informed or neuroscience informed therapy has been doing is saying, okay, well, forget about all these theories. How does this stuff actually work? How do then how does then that affect our clients? And how does that how could that affect their narrative, their story, their illness, um, you know, their strengths? How could we do that? And so for me, I found it like the most true. Uh, paradigm because I could apply that paradigm to any sort of technique I'd learned in the past. And all those old techniques were based on complete theories of just grasping in the dark because this has only been studied since the 1800s when i mean you should go back and read some of those old textbooks from the early 20th century they're in horrendously insane and uh demeaning towards people oh my god <laughs> and so i mean you know even just dsm3 in 1980 said all sorts of abysmal terrible things about people i mean it's it's uh, it's not Really, that helpful. So, what what we're finding now is, uh, you know, that's my bias is that the trauma informed yeah. stuff sticks to what the scientific papers are saying, and then how do we translate that into practice? And what I'm seeing from your book is you go beyond that and you go to okay, well, this is how things are working, and then how does that even now what does that mean for human culture? What does that mean for business? What does that mean for tribalism, social justice, power? So, I want to move a little bit into uh, some of the larger macro subjects of let's do it of how you would apply some of these micro mini findings from the bottom up of the brain to let's let's go to tribalism because I think we got a fair amount of tribalism going on right now in the US as you probably um I feel like the U.S. is a giant reality show right now, and, and I say that as a U.S. citizen, it is. It, we live in a reality show. It's quite.
1: It's not far. only the United States, right? it's, it's, well, it's Canada, in England, Germany. It's, that's it's, true. You guys are Australia. starring
0: too. You're starring in that. Yeah, no. We, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I I do love reading the BBC and uh, CBC. Uh, CBC,
1: right? Canadian Broadcasting. CBC is, yeah. is Canadian. Yes.
0: And so I have a lot of friends in Toronto. Being from Michigan, they uh they they said Detroit's not our our jam we're going to toronto so they've they're expats over there but um yeah i was uh i, I would love to just get into uh, what is going on with this sort of tribal situation and what how do you see it
1: okay so <laughs> tribalism the word tribal is is triggering for some people now i have to say oh well yes it, uh, absolutely it, it, it sounds as though one's being derogatory about indigenous culture or something right? Like that. Um, and, and by the way that, that perspective is very tribal tribalism is at a is it a far 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 deeper level um so uh that i've uploaded a a video called consciousness explained that uh, that, that describes how consciousness or the the building blocks of consciousness started to uh, evolved like 500 five uh, 500 and 600 million years ago like it's a pre-cambrian era when, when uh, animals started to swim in uh, open water uh, so it's uh, you know it's, so, so that was the point where nervous systems had to sense what was happening in the environment and move accordingly so uh, if, if a little uh, worm was was uh, encountering, a speck of something. It had to know where that speck was, and it had to make a very uh, quick judgment, so to speak. Judgment not being an appropriate word in this case, uh, but but a, a decisions as to whether that thing was was edible or a threat. And the the, the 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 ways the nervous system did that haven't changed. And if you if you look at uh, the human brain. One of the incredible insights uh, that that geneticists and paleobiologists have come, have figured out in the, in the last twenty and thirty years is is this thing, thing called deep homology. The ways our brains work are extraordinarily simple. So scientists, um, broadly speaking, through history, have imagined that the human brain is massively different, let's say, from uh, other mammalian brains and bird brains and reptilian brains. But when you when you understand what's happening at a genetic and a cellular level, the those uh, uh, differences uh, vaporize. So my whole thing is when you understand what's happening with the human brain from moment to moment, we are always making a judgment as to whether we should be uh, reacting positively to something or reacting negatively. Uh, you know, so if, if there's a, 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 a projectile coming towards your head, you don't have to think about whether you, you, you should be moving out of the way. You instantly move out of the way. Uh, and 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 if you see some food. That looks nice and you're hungry uh you're immediately attracted to 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 that so when i use the word tribalism uh and and this instant fluid the way our brain is responding to the world i'm actually um using it in in, in terms of uh sort of the deep neuronal mechanisms that that are operating all the time and 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 um i believe it's once you start to look at how important uh, we are uh, as social animals, like how how it's so important how we react to to each other uh, and figure out who's on our side or who's not, you can see that we're doing the same thing all the time with the people around us. Now, it's it's not like I sort of look at you and say, "Oh, you're part of my tribe." It 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 happens. Uh, in a very dynamic manner. So uh, you, you know, if we happen to be on the same uh, football team, we're on, we're in the same tribe, and we'll sort of like each other, and we'll pat each other on the back, and and so on. If if we happen to be on a in, in an opposing team, we'll react differently to each other. And 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 the human brain has this remarkable uh, capacity to a, a change allegiances in a second. And I would say that pretty much every word we utter uh and this might sound extreme to you it sounds i guess somewhat political but every single word we we uh hear um and depending on who's speaking it we're we're making a judgment as to what it means in terms of our tribal loyalties in north america that thinks that vaccines are the the answer to the COVID pandemic and there's there's another tribe that thinks uh, it's overblown, and and you just use that word, and and instantly people are making a judgment. Well, is this is this person part of my tribe or part of uh, the other tribe, the opposing tribe? So that's that's how I um, uh, I think of tribalism. I think I think of it as I, I call it instant and fluid tribalism, and it applies to everything. And and honestly, if you're looking at a hotbed for overt and, and really quite destructive tribalism. You, you just, go, just go to sociology departments and you'll find all of these um, different theories about different groups and how evil they are. Yeah, How's so, that for a non-controversial take on, on the world?
0: <laughs> well, I like it a lot. I mean, I think it's... What I like is that you are trying your best to sort of see i I don't know this is what i'm interpreting is that you're trying to see things holistically you're trying to see what is happening over here what is happening over there how do these things mix up how is you know tribalism happening and um it's happening instantly and i i think i've been noticing lately and let me know if you've seen this as well but that there are even people are wearing markers of their tribe, or have like symbols of their tribe that are, are kind of instantaneously kind of telling you what team you're on. I don't know if you've if you've. Oh, seen
1: absolutely, that. right, absolutely. Uh, your your tattoos or your earrings or your hairstyle. So a good example of that is uh, a, a friend of mine who's teaching business in in uh, Nebraska, and and he recounts how when you when he's walking down the street. And he, and he sees the Virgin Mary in someone's window uh, hanging somewhere. He can instantly tell uh, what what tribe uh, the uh, the householders belong to.
0: Yes, and I, I see that, and I feel like the divisions, especially in the U.S., are becoming more strange and more acute. Uh, and so it's like if you're in a, this is just my observation. Like if you're in this one team and you believe that vaccines work, that means you also have to believe these 10 other things. And if you're in this team that doesn't believe vaccines work, you're supposed to believe these 10 other things. But I think, and I think some people, uh, agree with that just fine. But being a person who myself, I attempt to not, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I do. Cause I'm, I have emotions and I, I am persuaded, but attempting not to just sort of like join a team just because this team sounds good to me. I want to look at every issue individually. Um, It can be a bit disconcerting to see that. And uh, I'm sure it's always, I I know it's always been that way. I'm just seeing it more now. I think in the last few years um, with kind of the proliferation of social media, you can repost your opinion that you may, it might not even be your opinion. You can repost somebody else's opinion immediately. And that goes and ripples across the world. And sort of make these snap judgments sort of without having a conversation with somebody. Not that that's the point of what you were trying to make. But um, I've just mm-hmm. been noticing how that's been working with, with people. And so, for instance, you know, just any issue you can name, I would love to have a you know, discussion, read about it. And it seems to be the trend, like you said, like, oh, you're either this side or the other side. You, you pick one. You can't, be, you, can't, you can't be neutral about this. You, or you can't just be thoughtful about this. That's and, right. Decide quickly
1: yeah and, and we don't realize how how deep it goes because the the very words we use to describe issues uh come to us through our news channels and and social media and and so uh you you, you can almost um it's it's almost unavoidable that you gravitate to one source of media or or another you know you're either reading the the New York Times or you're looking at Fox News uh it it it's rare that someone looks at uh you know, these 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 different uh, outlets and and sort of can make judgments as to you know which which has the better story you 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 tend to gravitate towards the news outlets that um that most closely approximate your your perspectives but but unfortunately over the last 5 or 10 years uh in-depth journalism has has largely vaporized just because of the 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 economics of um of newspapers and and, and just changes in how people buy advertising and and what they're looking at and and so consequently uh there are fewer and fewer journalists really uh, being thoughtful about subjects they're, they're just coming up with uh clickbait themselves and and so that's that that's driving us apart because we're looking at, at, at news outlets that most closely uh associate with our our tribe whatever that tribe is so you you can hardly you can't really even help it uh which is the un- really unfortunate thing
0: That's true, especially, I mean, I I think your average person, you know, just gravitates towards one or the other. And what I mean by average is just, you know, somebody who's out there who's not really thinking about how these things are created. I mean, I used to work for... PBS public broadcasting here in the U S. And so I I got to see how shows were made and how they were edited. And that always affected my ability to even watch a television show because I'd say, Oh, well, they're off camera doing this or that. They've cut this out. And so then if you, if you go to, most of us haven't studied how journalism is being made and you being in advertising, you can see how, um, now that people aren't subscribing to papers Um, it's all, most of it's on the internet now. Um, they try to get subscribers that way, but a lot of it's ad driven that it's actually made the, the journalism need to crank out more and more articles and get more and more attention and, and, or videos or whatever it is. And the interesting thing is that the stories are too short. So uh, I've noticed two things happening with that, which is a lot of people are confused. A lot of people get addicted to that sort of media Um, but I also have noticed the rise of the podcast. So for instance, um, NPR national public radio here, of course, isn't supposed to be associated with the tribe, but certain people have decided that it might be, um, they'll have longer shows where they'll take a 20 or 30 minute look at something. Right. But that only comes out, that only comes out, uh, about once a week. Uh, and so if you're looking for media and you're wanting something quickly, um, it's hard to know where to go. And it's confusing as well, I think, for the person. I, I was involved in a situation in my in Michigan a few years ago where we had to pass a government bill to keep our licenses for counselors. And I, I was uh, helping in the effort uh, organize thousands of counselors to go to the Capitol and do all this stuff and write your senators and write this person and write that and and I went, and I was being interviewed by a local news station. It was one of the big three, they called them, CBS, ABC, NBC. I can't remember which one it was. And, uh, and I remember, you know, telling the whole story and why, why we want the public involved in all of this. And the guy said to me, he goes, you know, this is a really good interview, but i got to tell you something. I'm only going to use 20 seconds of what you said and not the whole four minutes. I said, but that's not going to tell the whole story that you're not even going to be, people are going to be confused. Like why would the government ever take away their licenses? And I'm going to understand the context. He goes, and he was like, he kind of took me aside. He's kind of this guy's been in, I think he was in his fifties. He's like, well, journalism's changed so much in the last 10 years. He's like, I'm just trying to get through. He's like, I'm just trying to bake this piece. He's like, (laughs) he's like, I'm, he's like, I get it. This cause is a no brainer. We shouldn't even be here. This is a government glitch, but I'm trying to cover this. And I'm just going to tell the story that you guys need support, but I can't even give the context. I'm like, you can't give the context. He's like, no, they won't let me. I only have this much to tell the story. I've got to say something. I've got to show footage. Then I got great interview with you, but I, I got I'm going to take 20 seconds of what you said. So I remember watching it uh, later that night on the news when I got home, or on the I actually watched it on the internet because I didn't catch the news because I don't have uh, I don't really subscribe to the TV model, but I watched their little clip and I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm the average person, I don't even care about this. Why would I call my Senator? No. Why would I ca- get involved? You know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's all scrunched, you know, it's, it's tighter, it's shorter and it's, yeah. it's, and I don't know if that's doing something to our nervous system. That could be a theory of mine. I won't go into that, but is well, I think but, it is.
1: Yeah, I think it is. But, but I, I just want to, um, say that I'm particularly sensitive to the narratives that we we see uh on the media and, and in the newspapers because I know how much care and attention uh brand people like myself and and policy wonks and, and uh political advisors put into crafting words. And so w- when I hear a a leader or a politician use a phrase. I can generally figure out uh, how much time and effort they've put into that phrase, and and it it, it, it it's it's through the way that you present uh, 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 issues that you can change the way people think about the world. And so, you know, it, it, is someone doing what they're doing? Is it a riot or a demonstration? As to which word you use sort of frames it completely differently and um and I have to say and this will this will expose my true colors a little bit um it that the whole matter started to really bug me when I started to hear a consensus about climate change a consen- a scientific consensus about climate change just repeated and i and I realized what was happening because no one was actually talking about the science which i think is 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 deeply fascinating important and and we really need to Understand it because we can make far better policy decisions if we understand the complexities. Um, but but when it's distilled down to a, a little scientific talking point that basically cuts off discussion about the details, uh, in my view, it 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 can be um, adverse for for public policy. So I, I couldn't really care w- which side you're on. Uh, I do care that we are able to talk about it, and 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 that sort of gets into the whole field of therapy, where you you um, I presume, because I don't know really what you do. Um, you suspend judgment. You don't. say, Well, that's bad. Uh, you know, that's a good thought, and that's a bad thought. You 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 just don't do that. You say, well, you know, tell me more. What do you mean by that? I would presume, and and so it's there. There are a lot of sort of commonalities between um, the way I think about the world and, and I'm sure the way you think about the world.
0: Yes, as a therapist, the only things we really try to judge are, you know, kind of assessing where the person's at, functionality, uh, risk factors, and um, dangers if they're in a dangerous addictive state, because that's for their own safety. That's when, for sure. we, that's when we break from our model of just listening and doing activities and that sort of thing. but. Yes, it's interesting when you let somebody really talk about the issues they're upset about or whatever. You often find that it comes down to a simple need not being met um, in their life, and they're not sure how to get that need met, and so they've, you know, had behaviors that have landed them in mandated therapy, or or maybe their partner sent them to therapy for these behaviors or these discussion points, and it's it's interesting. And the the whole point is, if if we have a human dialogue, that is an actual dialogue, Mm. and we're trying to come together, in in the therapy room, it leads to healing because people kind of drop their defenses a little bit, and they 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 learn a new way of of thinking without without you know judging. Where is that? Where what is what is this? Right. That. Yeah. So we as therapists, we try to stay very neutral as much as possible except to just let's hear more about it and let's let's find let's find a solution or find the common ground. And eventually a lot of this, these narratives that, you know, even all the time we hear people coming in upset about the news, you know, and we're saying, okay, well how, tell me more about that. And really it comes down to possibly a a fear of, uh, of some sort or a, a safety concern when, when this giant news story actually has nothing to do with them. Right. And so if we can promote real dialogue as humans together, which I'm not exactly sure how to do, because right now there's a lot of, "Quote unquote" dialogue going on in Twitter, but it seems like it's like everyone's in their own little silo and they're like zinging each other constantly. It's like a z- you know we're we're kind of you're a hypocrite, you're yeah. a hypocrite. How about we're all hypocrites and we are we're all emotional creatures? And how do, exactly. how do we have this dialogue, right? Because yeah. of the, the way the media is going and the way communication is going right now on a broader
1: yeah. scale. So somewhere somewhere in the book, um, I I mention and I and I'm I really believe this that. Um, that the younger generations right now are are, are undergoing some severe stress, uh, and m- my my point is that we it's it's difficult to understand exactly where that anxiety and stress is coming from. It, it it's uh, social media, it's rapid technological change, it's a, uh, fewer blue collar jobs, uh, it it's uh, you know these different ideas that are reconfiguring what's right and what's wrong in the world, uh, a, a, a sort of what's acceptable sexually or not, you know, that people are exposed to uh, extreme porn, but at the same time looking at someone uh, for a moment longer is, is, is considered aggression, uh, microaggression. So all of these things are, uh, are, ma- are making it very uh, difficult for young people people uh to sort of find their direction in life and 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 figure out their journey and my contention is that so, some of the, the 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 sort of the political movements uh are ways that younger people are expressing those anxieties but they're not actually the the cause of the anxiety and and i and i get into trouble for this because you know like you know people are are deeply concerned about police violence black lives matter uh you know the history of slavery uh climate change i mean the the, the these are these are perceived to be uh, existential imminent uh crises that have to be have to be solved and 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 my point is uh uh actually i i believe they're they're uh, ways that people are expressing far deeper anxieties i'm i'm not sure if you' go along with me but but even saying that is uh politically triggering to some people and and that's i believe uh a pity let 's see
0: yes um i do think i 'm going to just throw a little thing in the in the ring here because i i definitely can see that as as a a good point about what is the deeper feeling beneath this right so Mm -hmm. so uh, as my african-american friends have told me they said all this stuff this is nothing new this is what we've been dealing with this is our been dealing with this our whole lives so now it's a movement and that's for them they felt good about that but they also said you know why now why is this a why is this a movement now um that, and that was their opinion that this is just the way people have been behaving, and they would like to stop it. But it does, you know. How do you stop it? It, it comes from education, from dialogue, um, not necessarily from. I mean, maybe this movement will help lead to that. But I do think what I'm seeing, also, in my opinion, is the young people are have a lot of anxieties because they because of the internet and the availability of information that anybody can find information. Now we don't know the reliability of all that information, but anyone can have a dialogue with anyone on Reddit, you know, Reddit's a very popular website where people post their opinions and articles and different things and kind of have a little bit of a a discussion Is that they're deconstructing all of the systems that were made in the 20th century and even the eight and even before that. And they're deconstructing religion, um, maybe i i don't know if they're deconstructing science but they're deconstructing a lot of the systems that are have made our world the way it is right now and um when you do that it's scary because you you no longer see the world as some sort of reliable thing you see it as chaos and entropy and yes coming together and i think that's actually how the world is i be, i believe that our narratives about safety and systems and consistency and you know things politicians say are <laughs> Are just to win votes and make people like you Um, the world is um, both can be orderly but as usually not it it has its own order we we are part of nature we're not apart from nature you know this whole idea of humans being removed from animals uh, no we're we're we we may be more sophisticated in some ways uh, in our expressions uh, as far as we know but uh, we (laughs) we are part of this system and it's not clean it's it's a very messy system and it's ever-changing so when things are deconstructed such as the way police have treated people and and going into all these different theories and climate change it it does grip people um which you said a deeper fear because um this means things aren't fair right this means that there's unfairness and for and, and how do i and then when there's, of course, protests against the protests, then it's like, I'm mean, even more angry, right? Because yes. this is unfair and you don't see it. And so it, it, I said this before the whole Trump phenomenon. I, I was at a, some, some sort of thing where they were talking about, I, it was like Hillary versus Trump discussion. And it was, I think, a bunch of Hillary people. And I said, I said, the thing that's troubling me is that everyone, not many people here are actually having a dialogue with the other side. We're just pointing at the other side right and 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 what would happen if we actually went and talked to them about i don't know different things we disagree about so yeah i want to i, I want
1: to bring in a point there yeah. that's that's like a fundamental uh issue uh that is i believe um possibly detrimental uh and it And I I believe, as you're saying, uh, that young people uh, and and many people are are looking for certainty because there is so much uncertainty. And one of the places they look for certainty is is science um, and scientific expertise. And um, and, and also they're looking to authority and authority figures who can uh, do the right thing for them. And, And there's an interesting there's been an, an interesting evolution in the way people view knowledge that, um, that goes to the heart of this, I believe. In that when I, when I was at school, uh, in England, I was hardly ever given a multiple choice test and, and none of my exam exams were, uh, multiple choice. I mean, in, in mathematics, I was taught that things are either right or wrong. But, but everything else I was taught was uh, uh, m- more a matter of, of observation and um, one's ability to c- communicate and to reason. Uh, I was never taught that, that the world is made up of facts that are either right or wrong. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're getting to this whole matter of, of post-truth um and, and and there's an undercurrent that that someone knows the right answer and and i believe that's a mistake because um the the right answer and this is going to sound quite relativistic but but sort of what's right depends on a mutual understanding of what a word means um and uh, and 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 so there's there's a lot of uh there, there's a social underpinning to understanding and 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 more than that i th- i think historically it it hasn't been the case that we've imagined that someone in authority is always necessarily going to have our best interests at heart and and that's why i believe the, you know the american constitution is what it is because at the heart of it there are checks and balances because we we don't always believe, or we shouldn't always believe, that uh, someone in authority is uh, in the long run going to do do the right thing for us. And and so th- there's been this just this massive change in how we understand uh, what's right and what's uh, incorrect. And and I I would love there to be. Uh, more nuance and more appreciation not in a, a sort of a postmodernistic oh everything's relativistic sort of a way but uh but but understanding comes because of mutually agreed ways of looking at the world uh and and that that is always formed through interpersonal interaction so that's where we we get into the whole political realm uh in a in a and and a historical realm uh, in in uh, in a very deep way.
0: Yes, I think that is is a good way to put it. The mutual understanding, because without that, then we just have two what people claim to be truths, and so then yeah. then it's a then it's a uh, it's a popularity contest or something like that. Because um, it doesn't matter what quote unquote facts you present to one side or the other. If you're convinced of one of the sides. Uh, this the research shows when you try to convince somebody, even with facts and figures, about something they believe, they actually usually resist you. Um, or Absolutely. resist you even more. So Correct. and I laugh about the, something you said about history. I was thinking about what's right or what facts are is usually determined by people with clout or power. Um, and so I think that's another uh, uh, was another breakdown. so how do we how do we get past that? It is mutually agreed meaning, and I think that's a very good point because because post truth is coming up a lot, and um, you know this is what's happening or this is what's happening, and that that's leading to more of what I would call I call it black and white thinking, where it's like either this or that is no sort of color spectrum, and we live in a colorful world, and there are lots of different aspects of truth in different areas. I'm not trying to be completely relativistic. There are, you know, things we can determine. But there's a lot of things we don't know. Of course. Um, and so how do we, I guess, have the humility to say, I think this is, I I think this is the next right step for me based on what I understand. I don't know. That was yeah. just something I thought about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're dead on and, and how this ties back into consilience, uh, is that the, 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 the mechanistic scientific, in air quotes, way of thinking about uh, knowledge is that it's sort of digital. It's it's, it's zeros and ones. It's right or wrong. Uh, and 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 words are, are labels that one attaches to things in the world. And, and there's no uh, there's no subjectivity in that. It, 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 it's it's just the way the world is. Well, once you understand what the brain is actually doing scientifically and and, and and when I say scientifically I mean scientifically in the non-mythological mythical way um, d- just in terms of, sort of how our eyes work and our ears work, you you realize that the the brain is doing something completely stunning and invisible to us and remarkable in that it's taking uh, just hints of what let's say our eyes our eyes are taking hints of what's happening around us. And it's our brain that is creating this full-featured, high-definition, uh, multi-sensory experience that is is consciousness. But it's but our brain is actually uh, creating the categories because the world is an, is an emergent system. It's bottom up, and and, and 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 I would argue. Everything is, and this is an objective statement. Everything is different because you you can't have two particles in the same time um, that, that are identical. That's the poorly exclusion principle. That's a basic uh, sort of a principle in in physics. So, so the so the brain is is doing this remarkable thing, and consilience forces us to acknowledge that that's what the brain is doing, and that you've got to be a lot more open to new ways of looking at the world and describing the world and understanding people. So and here's, here's what's so mind bending about consilience. It is brutally, um, a, a hardcore science, like, you know, just look at what's happening. But at the same time, once you do that, it, it, opens your mind to recognizing that the practice of science is not much different from the practice of doing many, many other things. It's a human endeavor with all of the uh, attendant pressures. And so that enables one to uh, start uh, sort of talking about things that one had very hard opinions about and actually saying, well, how, how did you get to believe that? And I put one example in my book about creationism. You know, I'd, five years ago, if you told me about creationism, I would say, oh, yeah, well, I believe in evolution, not creationism, because that's, you know, because I'm a science guy. Um, but but now my my whole position is, well, actually, if you're really scientific about it uh, and you really understand about evolution, you'll understand that it's a lot more complicated than most people uh, uh, understand, and it's not the metaphor that we should be using for living a life. But more than that, you'll realize that the creationist movement in the United States was started for very good reasons, um, as a pushback against monism and Volkism, which uh, were part of the cause for the First World War and then became part of National Socialism and, and, and uh, you know, Nazism. So uh, understanding the history of creationism uh, is, I think, something that we should acknowledge because it's it's got a lot to teach us so understand every you know come at it from every angle and understand it and and don't don't be instantly tribal when you hear a word like evolution or creationism or whatever sorry about that rant
0: oh i like that rant um i think that (laughs) i i think that consilience and understanding the scientific principles how we understand them now of how our brain eyes ears sensory systems all work will hopefully lead us to more openness and more humility as to our position in the world Mm -hmm. and that being said the more we can understand that we're we're getting rid of some of the old myths we talked about earlier that kind of put humans in this sort of arrogant position as the rulers of the kingdom or whatever you want to call it and because that does lead more to this. Well, I'm right, you're wrong. Your country's bad, our country's good. This, this, this black and white. I keep saying, you know, way of looking at things instead of looking at things um, from a variety of perspectives. And I think that that the more the science is able to, it, the more this research about how our bodies actually work is promoted you know, or, or shown in classrooms and, and, and in in your book, especially the more people can take us to place of, of listening. And if you, if you're listening, you you are going to understand things. So a very simple thing that, uh, was invent, well, it was invented thousands of years ago, but uh, John kabat Zinn back in the 1980s, he invented, I guess, mindfulness-based stress reduction program to help people with stress. Mm-hmm. And he studied it and studied it and studied it. And all you really did was sit and breathe and pay attention to your breathing and maybe listen to some bells or whatever, and you just stopped thinking so much. Stop um, you know, this active thinking was was gone in your sort of passive listening. Yeah. And just from that has spawned so many different types of therapies, just from listening to um, not only your own breathing, but when you do that, it slows down your mind enough to actually sometimes uncover reasons and meanings and and, tr- and troubles that you've been suppressing. And so yes. just like that, I think in our world, if we're trying to solve something or move on together, we have to be listening to what other people are saying. And then why are they saying that? What's the context? And where did they get that you got it. And why do I believe what I believe? And questioning that brings us hopefully to a place of of dialogue and not just two-way monologue um which is what i believe most of social media and uh the news is is two-way yeah. monologue and character defamation um yeah. you know and i mean i mean i won't put out my hat in the ring i mean there's certain people i think that could should deserve to lose our respect based on their actions however they're still a person and we need to understand everything ab- about them you know, and yeah. what, what they did and why they did and what stance they took, because that can, that can lead us to understand ourselves. Um, yeah. which I think it does start with us. It does start with the human, the the person, because yeah. we created these systems
1: to begin yeah. with. Whenever I hear a, a, a crazy opinion that I don't quite understand, I always, I always start by saying, I wonder what journey that person went through to, you know, to, to, form that opinion. So I'm interested how they got there, their personal journey. And, and, and I, I actually do the same when I'm dealing with a, a company CEO and they say they want to do this or that, you know, they want to double sales. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, okay, what are they, what are they at, at, you know, where have they come from and why do they want to do that? It's not because they're interested in just doubling sales. There's a reason for it. But, um but, but I also uh say to myself, if someone's being particularly odious, um you know, if I don't run, run the other way Uh, i I think uh how would i react if this person was uh my my son or my daughter not that i have a son um you know i I would probably not regard that what they're saying as being uh the most important thing about them Uh, i would just regard it as a a foible or a quirk and and you would just be forgiving and 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 uh treat it with some degree of of humor and and i i think sometimes that's what we need to do um you know rather than uh it it trigger our our, our, our tribalism and 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 that uh that instinct that we have to rally together with our uh well, our, our other tribal mates and uh, and an attack this other tribe uh you know, just acknowledge that you're both human, and and you both have had p- potentially, you know, very difficult journeys, and 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 that's what you're all about. I understand. It's about understanding the difficulties that people have encountered through their lives, and and giving them some sympathy. Is that fair?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, giving them some sympathy and hoping that they can find a way to get out of this pattern they're in that they yeah. want to get out of so they can yeah. feel. And, and, and honestly, the odd thing about, I'll say this, the odd thing about psychological patterns is they're often either constricting and sort of rigid or they're chaotic. And both of those, if you go to either extreme, are not good for the psyche or not good for relationships. So what, what in psychology, what we're trying to do is help people find the middle Not, not all the. It's a, it's a made up middle. I'm just making this up. It's not that everyone has to be sort of a pacifist in the middle. It's that they find a place psychologically where they can see the chaos over here, and they can see the rigidness in their behavior over here, and sort of also with different people in their lives, they can see this, this aspect here and this aspect here, and sort of figure out how they can navigate the world instead of an automatic pattern of complete rigid rigidity or complete chaos uh, or reactionary. feelings towards stimuli or different people or or, or jobs yeah. so
1: i think uh I, i'm just going to explain to yeah. your podcast listeners that you've you've been illustrating this whole point uh very well with your your hands and arms and 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 so that aspect of the explanation is going to be lost on your it, audience that's but it, correct yes but it, 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 uh, we're using zoom so uh, i appreciate what you've been showing me
0: yes i like to i like to use my hands so i i have a but uh, yeah, this will be at a podcast. But you can imagine me with my hands up on one side or the other. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it's about. And I'm I'm just really uh, excited that you know I got to interview you, and and I'm still reading the book, uh, and I'm going to finish it. But it's just I'm loving it because it falls in line with with how. I would love people to. I would just love people to know this. There's a huge part of psychotherapy that's out here. Like, we call it psychoeducation, where we're essentially we're teaching them some of the stuff from your book about how the nervous system works in a very elementary way, so that they can understand their reactions to things without taking this old world. Well, I'm this. I'm a shameful person. I'm a guilt. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm a, I'm a less than person because I, this happened or whatever. Um, that is a huge piece of freedom. It's just the education and then the techniques and then the specifics. Yeah. And also the thing about humans coming together and having a dialogue, I always, you know, it's just, sometimes I just laugh and I think it would be great if everyone could just pause for a minute and like remember that we live on like a, a planet a blue planet that, and it's really the only inhabitable one I believe um within range
1: yeah if Although, we screw if you, it up that's it
0: that's it so I mean we're we're here together and we yeah. don't agree but how do we coexist you know <laughs> so anyway yeah. it's just uh something to think about once in a
1: while can i, can I just finish yeah. with this this yeah go for i, it. I guess request um I, i'd i'd love it if you uh, finish reading my book I, I, it sounds as though you will uh it, it's it's i have to say it's not an easy book because it touches on so many different subjects and not everyone's interested in science and history and psych- socio sociology and all, all of the different things um but across many ideas that uh really uh, uh jive with with your opinions but also some that um, might, you might have a problem with. And, and, and I'm, I, I, am actually somewhat cr- critical of, uh, psychiatry and, um, and, and nutrition science and, and, and economics and like disciplines that I, I, I term that have become pointified. I use that term pointified and, and you'll, uh, you'll learn about that, but I'd, I'd really appreciate the opportunity to circle back with you and and hear your opinions uh from the standpoint of someone who's been dealing with people and 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 the challenges of of uh living one's life uh, because i i think my my experience in the world and your experience of the world is, is so completely different um and i'd i i just be I, I, ju- I just love the opportunity to find out where I've got it right or where I've frankly uh, I need to do some more thinking and, and and vice versa. You know, maybe there's some ideas that you've had that you might want to rethink. And 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 so I'd I'd really welcome the opportunity for us to recircle, uh I circle back and 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 I you know, if your uh listeners oh, are interested. I'd love in, that.
0: I've had a few people uh, repeat yes on the show, and so what I think I would love to do is take you up on that. And what I think, I mean, if we if we, we could record it if we want, and put it out. We don't have to, but what I think that would would be good is because I, uh, in your book, I was really jiving with this scientific report part of it, but then you start taking those scientific findings and getting into tribalism and all these other points that you make and i would i will take notes actually uh on those points good and uh bring it back to you so i will uh, definitely i think we'll, i would love i think the listeners would love to have tom beakbane part two where we discuss uh some of these points and maybe some things we disagree on um because i think that would be an interesting uh conversation for sure I, I'd, I'd love it
1: grateful well this has been an absolute delight thank you so much Yes,
0: absolutely. Uh, It's been my pleasure. And I'm just going to encourage the, uh, my audience loves books. And so I'm going to encourage them to put the book link in the, uh, show notes, including the audible link, uh, because everyone, you know, if you're commuting or whatever. Now that the world is starting to slightly open up here. Um, you know, it's a good way to uh, consume
1: information uh, auditorily. So could I, uh, could I just say that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the books, um, available on Amazon, it's available as an ebook. Uh, a paperback a hardback and and the 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 audiobook is particularly good it's available on google play and audible and so on uh it's narrated by a, a british actor called philip batley and i think he did a superb job narrating it so um uh i i'd i'd love to um i'd love to engage with anyone in your audience who who reads it and has a, has an opinion
0: that's great and um yeah and i will I will put any links to websites that you want me to put in there as well. So we can do that. And you uh, might get some engagement that way. So, all right. Thank you. Thank you, you Tom. Paul. Confused and ecstatic There you have it. This has been another episode of the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I want to apologize for about the last 20 or 30 minutes of that podcast. My microphone apparently got disconnected due to some technology issues, and so that was sort of a cheaper microphone recording without my knowledge the rest of the podcast. Rest assured, next time I have Tom Beekbane on the podcast, we will be using the excellent microphone that I purchased for the duration of the show. Honestly, if you're curious, I really think you should check out Tom Beekbane's book, Consilience. I have been listening to it as an audio book, and it contains so many interesting observations because a lot of the things he's writing about, I had read in some neuroscience books in the neurobiology series, but I hadn't really heard them applied in the ways that he was bringing them across genres and across different types of uh, subjects. So it's really, really an interesting book, and I think you're going to love it, and uh, I'm hoping to have Tom back on the podcast later this year. So, his link and the book's link will all be in the show notes. If you are looking for an MDRIA consultant, I am now an MDRIA consultant in training, and I can provide 15 of the 20 hours needed to become MDRIA certified. I am hosting two Mdria consultation groups at this time right now they are mostly online you can check out details in the show notes or go to counseling supervisor gr.com If you are in need of counseling, don't hesitate to make an appointment with a local counselor in your area. You can also make an appointment with the excellent clinicians in the Grand Rapids area at Health for Life Grand Rapids and the Trauma-Informed Counseling Center of Grand Rapids by visiting www.healthforlifegr.com. And if you are in the state of Michigan, they can also help you online. The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Paul Krauss, and while these are based upon the literature he has read and his experience in the field, as well as his guest's experience and literature the guest has read, these opinions should not be viewed as a definitive opinion or fact on this or any other subjects. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for treatment. If you are in a crisis, please call 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Line at 1-800-273-8255. Are you a young person of color feeling down, stressed out, or overwhelmed? Text Steve, that's S-T-E-V-E, to 741-741, and a live, trained crisis counselor will respond. As I said earlier, I've released my first online course for parenting adult children, or what is called For the parents of young adults, it all applies. It's almost three hours of video content, and it's on sale on udemy.com right now. Check it out. You can even see a preview. The link will be in the show notes. And if you're a therapist looking to bring EMDR into their practice, look no further than EMDR Training Solutions. They are fantastic trainers. Honestly, I can't say enough good things about them. I've known some of these trainers and creators of the content for over 10 years and they are reputable people that have finally come together and made their own emdr training uh, class and it is awesome and right now if you use the word intentional as the code at checkout you will receive a hundred dollars off your emdr training Are you a busy professional that is shopping for books online? Did you know that if you use www.bookshop.org, you can order online from the comfort of your home or office while supporting a local brick-and-mortar business near you? Check out details at bookshop.org. If you are a therapist or a counselor or a social worker and you have not joined your local organization, please do so. The Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association, for instance, if you live in Michigan, is working to increase the availability of quality mental health services statewide, increasing education, promoting best practices, and working to keep licensed professional counselors and other professionals accessible by the public. I'm also a member of the Arizona Counselors Association, the American Mental Health Counselors Association, and the American Counseling Association. I know I'm a member of a lot of them, but listen, they are the way that you are going to keep your job for the future and make sure that we. Can start integrating mental health into different programs such as education and community centers. So if you're not a member, please join. Until next time on the Intentional Clinician Podcast, I'm wishing you all a safe and peaceful week. into the sea, moonlight in July would agree.